Good morning and welcome again to our worship service. We're glad that you're here. It has been a busy week for a lot of folks, spring break. We've had a lot of people that have been coming and going. We're glad that some are back and we pray that those who have yet to get back will be back safely very, very soon. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 5 in just a moment or two, the passage that Cameron read for us, Mark chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 20 in our study together today. Our message today is going to center around the theme, the terror who lived among the tombs. I remember many years ago, my dad said that he was standing in the kitchen looking out our kitchen window and there were some kids that were playing in the backyard. And he said they were running back and forth, climbing on this and climbing on that. Sometimes when kids are hyperactive, sometimes we might say wild, we'll say he or she is a terror. Well, it may be that you have known some terrors in your lifetime. But I want to introduce you to a man that was truly a terror to all who knew him. In Mark chapter 5, we are introduced to a man identified as Legion. And he was bound with an unclean spirit. That is, he was demon-possessed. And so I want us to look at this text and think about what Mark has said concerning this man and the relationship that he forged with Jesus. We begin by talking about his unique condition. Unique because he was demon-possessed. I want to begin by talking about his dwelling place. Mark tells us that he lived among the tombs. Imagine if you can making your home in the cemetery. Listen to what Mark says beginning in verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes which would have been located east of the Sea of Galilee north of Jerusalem. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. Here's an individual that chose to live in what has been called the silent city of the dead. He made his home in the graveyard the cemetery. And then note, if you would, the description that is given to us about this man. And really, you could sum it up by saying he was a terror. First of all, he was demonic. Note, if you would, what is said again in verse 2. When he had come out of the boat... Immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Now I said a moment ago, his dwelling was among the tombs. 
He chose to live among the dead. All who live in sin are in actuality living among the dead because the Bible says they are dead, dead spiritually. In Ephesians chapter 2 at verse 1, Paul said, And you hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. In other words, those who are outside of Christ are spiritually dead. They are, as we would say, walking corpses. So here's a man that is described as having an unclean spirit. He was demon-possessed. Now, I believe that in the first century, there was a purpose for demon possession. The purpose was so that Jesus might demonstrate his power, his authority over that realm. That is, over the demonic realm. I don't believe that we have today people who are demon-possessed. Now, I will grant that there are people who might live like the devil and who might live like a demon, but that time has long since passed. There are some folks, as Jesus said in John chapter 8, who are like their father the devil. You remember in John 8 verse 44 when Jesus said to the Jews of his day, You're of your you, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer, abode not in the truth, and when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, because he's a liar and the father of it. So this man was a demonic. And then secondly, Mark tells us that he was domineering. Note what is said beginning in verse 3. Not only did he dwell among the tombs, but the text says no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been broken, pulled apart, the shackles broken in pieces. So here is a guy that is not willing to be bound by anything. He had, as we would say, superhuman strength. Now, there are people today who have chosen to live in sin. And because of that lifestyle, they are unwilling to be bound by the Savior and the Scriptures. You ever talk to somebody? And they say, you know what? I could never live a Christian life because I'm not willing to do what the Bible says to get my life in harmony with the will of God. The Bible talks about how we are to be submissive to the Lord. He is the Lord of all. You remember in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, Peter, of course, recorded for us the first gospel sermon. In verse 36, the Bible says, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that this same Jesus whom you crucified, God has made him both Lord and Christ. Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life. That is, he wants to be the ruler of your life. I think about what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15. When he acknowledged that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus wants to be your Lord. But there are some people that are not willing to be bound by the Savior or by His Word. We call it the Scriptures. So this guy 
is domineering. Note also what is said. Neither could anyone tame him. When people live in sin, sometimes they will tell you, I can't control myself. Now I think that we have the ability to control our lives. We have the ability to make choices. But you see, when people live in sin over a period of time, an extended period of time, sometimes it becomes very difficult to harness that lifestyle, to bring it in subjection. And the longer you stay in that country of sin, the more difficult it becomes to come out. It becomes very difficult. So here's a guy of whom Mark said no one could tame him. He is, as we would say, a wild man. And there are some people in our world today. They live like wild people. They live on a plane similar to an animal, and some even beneath that. And then there is a third thing that is said. Not only was he demonic, and domineering, but he was destructive. He was a danger to himself. Note what is said in verse 5. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Two things here. When people live in sin, number one, it brings mental anguish. Know what it said. This man was crying out. Do you think this guy had peace? Absolutely not. Here's a guy whose life is in, as we would say, shambles. Chaos. Let me tell you what. There are a whole lot of people in our world today whose lives are in shambles. They're dealing with the effects of sin, mentally speaking. The words of Solomon, the way of the transgressor is hard. You live long enough in a life of sin, and it will burden you. There are people in our world today who are dealing with the weight of guilt. And it becomes a very difficult thing to deal with on a daily basis. Why do you think people become enslaved to alcohol and other types of drugs? They're looking for an escape, aren't they? They're looking for an outlet. And sometimes to deal with that mental anguish. And then, secondly, sin brings physical anguish. Mark said, he cut himself with the stones. Have you ever seen somebody who is self-destructive, physically speaking? There are people in our world today who are using various types of drugs, and you know what they're doing? They are destroying that which the Bible says is to be the temple of God. 
Now, it may be the case that some say, well, I don't see the effects today. Well, let me tell you what. Give yourself 20 years, and you'll see the effects. Physically speaking, sin will take a toll on your life. Listen to Paul in Galatians chapter 6. He said, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He said, If you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. You sow to the Spirit, you will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. The bottom line is, the choice is yours. It's mine to make. There's a second thing I want you to see in our study. And that is the ultimate clinician. That would, of course, be Jesus. First, there is a confrontation with Jesus that is recorded for us by Mark. In verse 6, there is the praise of Jesus. Listen Listen to what Mark says. But when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. Here's a guy that stood in the presence of Jesus of Nazareth. Was Jesus more than just a mortal man? Absolutely. He was God in the flesh. God incarnate. As Matthew said in Matthew chapter 1, Emmanuel. God with us. In verse 7, there is the plea to Jesus. He cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Now, Matthew says that the plea was not to torment him before his time. The demons, of course, understand and on this occasion understood their fate with destiny, to be cast into the the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. So in verse 8, Mark said that Jesus said to this man, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Now, a Roman legion consisted of some five to 6,000 troops. So this, this demon was not just one, but many, many demons inhabiting this individual. And so he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. A large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. And all the demons begged, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. In verse 13, we have the permission granted by Jesus. At once, Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine, and there were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. What an interesting account of the confrontation 
that this guy had with Jesus. But I want you to see, secondly, in this point, the transformation by Jesus. Look at what is said in verse 15. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Now let me just pause there for a minute. Previously, this man had been a wreck. He had been a terror, not only to himself, but no doubt to others. He had been living a hopeless, helpless, hurting life. Look again at what it said back in verse 2. This guy dwelt among the tombs in verse 3. The Bible says no one could bind him, not even with chains. In verse 4, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, the chains had been broken apart by him. The shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. Always night and day he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. You want to talk about a picture of somebody who was an absolute train wreck, that was this guy. So here's a man that has been living in a hopeless, helpless, hurting condition. But now look at the present state. Really what you have is a before and after picture. The text says that those who were present saw him sitting and clothed and in his right mind. So what's the picture now? Here is a guy that has been cured. He is cured, he is clothed, and he is coherent. In other words, He's got his normal faculties. This guy was changed. By whom? By Jesus. Did he enjoy the favor of Jesus? The answer is yes. What's the lesson for us? It doesn't matter how bad our lives may be. We may consider ourselves a train wreck. We may know it, our friends and family members may know it, but there is help. I mean, look at this guy. Here is a guy that was beyond hope. He had no hope. He was beyond help. Nobody could help him. Nobody could tame him. He's hurting. And along comes Jesus. What does Jesus do for him? He cures him. Changes his life, doesn't he? Here's a guy that is now cured, clothed, and coherent. Let me tell you what, I don't care where you are in life. You may feel like your life is so far out of control, there's just no way to bring it back to reality. I promise you, your life can be changed. There's only one person that can change it, that's Jesus, the Son of God. That's what this guy found out. The only person that could make a difference in his life was the Son of God. The only person that can make a difference in your life is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's it. Listen to Luke in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Listen to Jesus in John chapter 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Would you come to Jesus? 
Would you let him change your life? He can do it if you'll allow it. So there is the favor of Jesus and then the fear of Jesus. Listen to what the text says. Those who were present saw this guy that, note the past tense that is employed, had been demon-possessed and had the legion, sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Can you believe that? These people were afraid. Of what? Of whom? Not only were they afraid, but they did not want to be in the presence. They did not want any association with Jesus. Listen to what is said. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine and they began to plead with him to depart from their region. Can you imagine that? I mean, here are people that have witnessed the transformation of a man. This guy is absolutely out of control. His life is in shambles, and now Jesus has come along and changed everything. And they want him to leave? They're not only afraid of Jesus, but they don't want any association with Jesus. If Jesus were in town today, would you want to spend time with him? Would he be welcome in your home? Or would you want him to leave town? Would you feel comfortable in his presence? These folks didn't want any association with him. Sometimes we fail to understand the great blessings we have living in this country to live and to serve a loving God without any fear of harm or molestation in any way. We have the opportunity to commune with God publicly and privately and we choose not to associate with Him. There's a third thing I want you to see in our study, and that is the urgent commission. We talk about His condition, that is the condition of this man, the clinician, and then the commission. Note with me, if you would, verse 18. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him, that is, begged Jesus, that he might be with him. First of all, this man begged to be with Jesus. In other words, he earnestly desired to be in the presence of Jesus of Nazareth. Asked the question a moment ago. If the Lord were in town, would you want to be close to him? Would you want to see him? Would you want to hear him? To observe him? If he were leaving, would you beg him to go with him? This guy wanted to be with Jesus. How much do you want to be with the Lord? 
enough to be present in worship every time the doors are open? Enough to read His Word every day, to saturate your mind with the teaching of Jesus? Enough to be involved in the work of Jesus? Do you really want to be with Him? This guy begged the Lord. This guy wanted to be with Jesus above everything. What about you? And then note if you would, not only did he beg to be with Jesus, but he was blessed by Jesus. Verse 19, the text says, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Now think about that for a minute. This guy had been immensely blessed by Jesus. There's no disputing that. His life had been a train wreck, and now everything's where it ought to be. He is cured. He is clothed. He is coherent. His life has been dramatically changed. He's been blessed by the Son of God. Jesus said, you go home and tell your friends what great things the Lord has done for you and how He has had compassion on you. Are you a child of God? If you're a child of God, then the Lord has blessed you, hasn't He? You have all spiritual blessings in Christ, Ephesians 1.3. You enjoy redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, Ephesians 1.7. You are a part of His body, and reconciliation takes place in the body of Christ, Ephesians 2.16. You are blessed beyond measure. God has had compassion on you. He has demonstrated His love and mercy toward you. So what have you done to tell somebody else about Jesus? When's the last time you told somebody the Lord made a difference in your life? And because He made a difference in your life, He can make a difference in your friend or your family member's life. Why is it we keep this message to ourselves? Did Jesus not say, Go therefore make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Is that not what Jesus said? Now you think about how great you have been blessed as a child of God. The compassion that God has shown you. And you want to keep it to yourself? You want to keep this blessing to yourself? Look at verse 20. This man begged to be with Jesus. He was blessed by Jesus, and he began to broadcast Jesus. Verse 20, he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis, or literally the ten cities, which would have been located south or southeast of the Sea of Galilee. So what does he do? He goes out and, be, and begins to proclaim all that Jesus had done for him. Look at the message that he's proclaiming. He's going out into, as we would say, the highways and the byways, and he is sharing Jesus. When's the last time you did that? Think about what God has done for you. When's the last time you went out like this man and began 
to proclaim it. There was the message he proclaimed and the marvel among the people. Note what is said. And all marveled. Don't you know it caused quite a stir? When here is this guy that formerly had been demon-possessed and now he's out preaching the Son of God. Let me tell you what. Because of your past, well, let's just say that your life has been steeped by sin. And everybody knows about your past. It is, as we would say, an open book. You become a child of God. And you begin to talk to other people about Christ. And they have seen this transformation of character. Is it not the case that the conclusion might be, you know what? This guy or this girl, it's a marvelous thing. What's happened? I mean, here's somebody I never dreamed, I never thought he or she would be a Christian and now look. Look at the change. Let me tell you what. You, you individually, can have that kind of an effect on people. I promise you. Whatever your past may be, that is immaterial. What counts is the present. So your life's been in shambles. So your life's been a train wreck. So you've been a terror. So you've acted like a wild person. So you've acted like the devil. You've acted like a demon. Whatever. Let me tell you what. Jesus Christ can change all of that. And you can become a child of the living God today. Here's what you need to do. You need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. This man believed it. He identified him as the Son of God. The demons identified him as the Son of God. And then if you would repent, turn from sin. On Pentecost Day, Peter instructed those people that had been guilty of the death of Jesus to repent. Verse 38, Acts 2. And then if you would confess with your mouth that you believe Jesus is the Son of God. Matthew 10, 32. And be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Acts 2.38, Acts 22.16. God will put you in his family. And you'll be among the redeemed, the cleansed. Now maybe you're here and you're a Christian. But you haven't been living like a Christian. Could we encourage you to come home? To make your life right. With Almighty God? Did John not say if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? This is your lucky day because God has blessed you with another day of life. And if you're outside of Christ, you're lost. You're without hope and without God. The difference maker is Jesus, the Son of God. When Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in verse 13 of chapter 2, he said, But now in Christ Jesus, you that once were far off are brought near by the blood of Christ. So it will make a difference in your life. 
Won't you come as we stand and sing?